Welcome to Still Growing in Grace, a program dedicated to inspiring joy, giving hope, and delighting in grace. I'm Mike Zenker, and I'll be sharing with you a message of hope that will expand your understanding of God's love and amazing grace. God already deeply loves you, totally accepts you, and really, really likes you. Growing in Grace Ministries Canada and Hope Fellowship, your community church, invite you to enjoy today's program as we dig deeper into what it means to be still growing in grace. Here we go. Welcome, everybody. Uh, please uh, welcome Bill Thrasher and Richard Murray. And I'm Mike Zenker, and we're here to just to have a conversation about growing in grace. And that's what still growing in grace is all about, because none of us have arrived, and we're all still learning, still growing. And I've come to love the hearts of these two guys and how they share and how they express the genuine love of God from deep within, not from a, a way to try and lift themselves up and look great, but just honest, heartfelt, hey, I'm walking through this and I'm sharing it with you. So last, uh, the last couple of conversations we've had, we've talked about the will of God and what it is and isn't, um, started to chip away at misconceptions. Um, so guys, what, do you remember what we talked about last time? Uh, and just kind of let's banter back and forth a little bit on this and, uh, and then and deal with, the and then head towards, does, does God control everything? Are we like, is he the puppet master? Uh, do we have any choice in this matter? That kind of stuff. Okay. Bill, why don't Bill go first? I'll follow him. <laughs> Yeah, thanks. No, uh, no I, appreciate, I appreciate being here. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, one of the things we talked about last time was how the the idea of will, just just the even the, the ver vernacular of will comes with a certain, um, I think, connotation of control or with force. And just to soften language, I look for synonyms a lot. That's just one of the things I do. And I know you and I talked about changing that just when we I say- I like cinnamon buns. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's changing will just over to desire. It just anytime we say it, and it, it all of a sudden softens many of the things we think about. So when we think about God's will or free will, if we change that to desire, um, it's the same expression to a large degree, but now we all of a sudden there's a there's a softness or a a, a, a co a interdependent kind of dance that's not controlled, but that's effortless in its response to being prompted, right? And my will becomes aligned, or my desire becomes aligned with the desire of of who's lead, the one who's leading me in, in the case of, of a dance, right? And so just that simple shift from will to desire all of a sudden be, you know, starts that to me to snowball all of these conversations to a more um, Christ-like place and to a more uh, uh, place of goodness, ultimately, where God is that only good, only light, only love thing that we're beginning to uncover. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. Yeah, I... Uh... I like, I love that verse that says the Holy Spirit works in us to will and to do. And I think that, you know, we can oppose that or we can neglect it. You know, I, the Hebrew says, how should we escape, you know, the perils of the world if we neglect our so great a salvation? Well, our, really, our salvation is the Holy Spirit in us. You know, so if, if we, if we uh, learn to resonate, and I love the term resonate, you know, I, I know when I'm in a place where my tone of heart and my tone of thought 
uh, is resonating with the Holy Spirit. I can almost hear the echo. You know, they say echo chambers are bad. Actually, they're pretty good when, when the Holy Spirit is, is who's echoing, you know, with you because you just feel at peace with it and you feel that lightness of the Lord. But whenever, you know, you get to be striving and worrying and agonizing and condemning and insecure about it, you're, you're out of resonation. So I think, you know, I think there is a, a way that we can resonate uh, with the will of God. And, and it's not so much a what, but, uh, you know, I, I think Mike, you and I talked about this the other week. It's, it's a state of being, you know, it's more, the Lord is more concerned with our state of being than he is with our state of acting. Mm-hmm. You know, totally agree. We, oh my. We can act, we can do anything, but have a, have a corrupt heart or a neglectful heart or just a, a prideful heart trying to draw attention to ourselves. But when we're resonating with him, I, I believe this among almost before anything else, we don't even think of ourselves. We're so we're so tapped into him that he's focusing us on others. He's focusing us on on uh, on on worship, on awe, on just uh, elements of our state of being. And if wouldn't we it, that, then it doesn't really matter what we do. Whatever we do, we'll be blessed. Wouldn't it freak people out if they believed God only saw them as well? Like this real agape is actually agape other centered, like fully like that would, that could really change your perspective of this loving God who's desiring you, instilling you and filling you, motivating you. He's the beginning, the middle, the start, the energy, the source, the results. He, he's all yes. of it. Yes. Amen. Amen. And just, and just that, that, that he wants you to have that, uh, you know, that he's not looking for you to do anything. He's looking for you to relate to him. Yeah, you know, that's not what we we're told in church. <laughs> no, true. True that. <laughs> Very true. My membership card said, I will, I commit to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, membership cards. My goodness. <laughs> a burning, burning yeah, I mean, party. I, I think so much of this is, is so expressed in the, the Im- image of a courting lover right in so many ways and when we find out we're the ones being pursued i mean we're all three dudes right we're all three dudes and my guess is i'm not trying to be too stereotypical that all of us found a a a female that we're all currently wed with at one point in time and still still very attractive (laughs) right and we we okay i gotta figure out i'm gonna scheme and i'm gonna figure and it's never, it was never with uh, malicious intent. It's, it's how do I get to know? My desire is to know this, this other centric person. And, and what can I, I do not because I'm, it's not, it's just to become into a state of being of knowledge with this person. Right. And that for me, it, it happened at an old Navy and I, I mustered up the courage to go ask my soon to, you know, eventual bride to, to coffee. It started with just an invitation for coffee, but my desire was to know her. Um, and when we realize that God's the pursuer of us in that same, you know, path, that's like that. It's it's a little humbling in some ways that that we are the desire, the 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 will of God's heart is ultimately to know us, uh, and then for us to respond and know know him right so and i guess that's that's how i see that it's it, again it's not this control mechanism it's and how do you how do you then come to know what her will is her wishes who she is i'm i'm, I'm hearing it loud and clear you just, you just nailed something really big because it's, it's not just to get her to marry you no. right it's about spending time and 
you know, focus and attention on the things she enjoys hmm. and trying to come what, into what about me? <laughs> come into alignment. Uh, another image that came when Richard was talking was about light. When we think about light going through a diffusing refractor or something like it spreads light. And honestly, light is a very powerful tool when the wavelengths become synchronized. And that's where how you get a laser. I don't know if you know that. It's, a laser is literally when all the wavelengths of, of a particular wave frequency of light become in perfect alignment. And they can become so pinpointed in accuracy and in power, you can cut metal, right? You can cut the hardest substances on earth using nothing more than this, this thing that is light. So when we come into that resonant harmonic with God's will, our ability to then become even empowered uh, in, this, in this creation as a co-creator is just intensified all that much more. Yeah, I think it, I think it focuses our being. I think that's a great metaphor because it's our being. It's our love. It's our passion. Uh, it, it's our uh, humility. You know, and, and, and I love what you said, because it's not us asking him to coffee. He's asking us to coffee, you know, and we, we want to be the one to ask him to coffee. And, and, and there's some nobility to that. I'm not, and I'm not saying that he's OK with us asking him to coffee every now and then. But I am saying that, you know, every morning. To, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, but it, it, it's like I, I came to realize uh, many years ago that wherever I am, the Lord's already there ahead of me. Whatever conclusion I come to, he's already there ahead of me. I act like he's catching up with me. <laughs> you know, when the thing is, I'm catching up with him, you know, on various levels. And I think that that's a, uh, and then whenever you do catch up with him, there's such a peace and such a lightness of being. And uh, I think I said this to you the other week, Mike, you know, I, that's how I define if, if I'm, res, you know, resonating with him, with his will. There's a lightness of being in me, that that focus. And, you know, you would think the more you focus, the more heavy of being. That's the way we do when we, you know, focus carnally. But really, when you focus spiritually, you become lighter of being everything becomes, you know, and, and, and then you have that sense of awe and uh, enjoyment and the, and the percolation and the, the uh, gleanings and the glowings, you know, that the Anabaptists would call these, these quickenings of the spirit, you know, and that, that's what we're all looking for. And how much more so even when we're talking now, you know, you feel the sparkling, you mm -hmm. know, going on. I got no sparkles. <laughs> <laughs> oh man well do you know one question that's not asked then in the context of what you just shared when you're in that moment of presence the question what is your will does not come to the forefront of your mind you're too enthralled with the who yes but that's yeah. that's powerful because if you're having to ask what is the will of god maybe that's revealing a misunderstanding you have of who god is and who you are and how he views you yes excellent maybe. yeah excellent you know i um uh, i've written a lot on this term glassen which is the short uh, it's a german word but the short word is lastening and it's that concept of let the glory of god be revealed you know uh jesus says who you know when they're asking him who can we blame for this sin he says, nobody, but let the glory of God be revealed. He didn't want to get into what caused it. He just wanted to let the light shine into the situation. And maybe the question is not so much what the, it, what's our will, but it's what our willingness. Mm. You know, I, I, I think willingness is all we bring to the table. We don't really bring will to the table. We bring willingness to the table. And then he works with our willingness to our capacity to hear. And whatever level of willingness we're at, you know, Listen, there are times when I'm more willing than other times, but he's speaking to me in both situations. 
you know, he's trying to reach further and trying to convert my unwillingness or, or neglect of willingness or, or low level of willingness to a higher level, but he's doing it gently. And uh, he's operating with me on the level where I'm at. That's what's unfathomable about the Lord's abilities. He is so skillful. It, he's beyond our ability to even fathom skill, you know, yeah. and yet, yet he works with each one of us in our unique chemistry and our unique, you know, he's a master alchemist, you know, dealing with, with the mixtures that are in us, but to bring us to a greater place of purity and, and with it and the promotion, you know, the promotion of it is just that we re resonate more deeply with him, you know, and that that's how we grow. And, and I love those two prayers of David, you know, when he prayed, uh, Lord, you know, en enlarge my heart. Uh, to walk, you know, enlarge my heart to be in awe of you. And then also uh, unite my heart to be in awe of you and to run, run the course of your commandments. So there's a heart enlargement and then there's a heart united, you know, that focus that Bill was talking about. Uh, that Those are two good ways to pray for you. Just begin your day, you know, in meditation and to pray, Lord, unite my heart and, and enlarge my heart today. And, and that, that those are two really good prayers. Well, they really take us back to the, even the Lord's prayer in that regard, right? Um, your will be done, not mine, right? And, and that takes me back in some ways to the expression Moses encountered in the, the unburning tree, uh, unburning thorn bush that we always call the burning bush or the unburning tree of thorns that was on fire <laughs> but not consumed. Sorry, I'm getting on a tangent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we screw up stuff so bad with our language. The language is so inefficient. The burning bush that was neither a bush nor burning. Yeah, but, you know. When, when, it, got, it got his attention. That was the point. <laughs> and, yeah. 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 And uh, Moses goes on to this place of holy ground, and he has to remove his sandals. And, and, and you know, God reveals uh, his name to Moses. And again, we screw this up so painfully, I think, sometimes. And we have I am that I am. That's not... The literal translation. The translation is I will be that I will be. It's a future focused beingness hmm. in God's own language. And I think, I think in translation, especially maybe even Western culture, we've, we're uncomfortable with that. We're uncomfortable with a God that is ahead of us already, just like Richard said earlier, that's, he's, he's already waiting at the coffee table at the shop before we even get there. Always, he's always one step ahead of us wooing our, our wills, our willingness, our desires to, to where his desires are already at. And I, I think a God that is always ahead of us is something that we, again, it's, a, it's truly unfathomable. It really is. But that but comes from the whole dualism thinking too. We don't, we don't believe he's in and we're in us and one with us. So that misconception can really hinder a deeper understanding of this. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I think, I think those are the little nuances of, of, of scripture, of, of philosophy, however you, of theology, however you want to call it. But the subtlest of, of change with each one of those takes us to radically new places with the goodness and, and the combined goodness of God with God's desires, which in and of themselves are only also ultimately good. And I think that's the thing that I think people struggle with, that there may be some shadowed underbelly of God's desire. Like he's got a little bit of a, a shady side, with you know, this person over here, and he's going to make sure they get what they deserve, or this is going to work out the way it needs to work out. And, and I think that's the area where 
we have an opportunity uh, as, you know, ministers of reconciliation, as ministers of the good news to say, no, God is only desiring goodness to come from all things. Amen. You know, there's a great verse in, I, in Isaiah where he's talking about the messianic age, but he says, then you shall flow together and dance. Mm. And, and, and I love the, you know, the metaphor of the dance, because that means he is leading. And in that sense, we're all at least in the biblical conception of feminine. I, I know, you know, I don't want to get into that other than to say there's a, there's a nobility to it. And, and to the extent that, you know, we, we are spirit led and the children of God are those led by the spirit of God. There is a way in which we can see this thing uh, as him leading us in a dance. You know, uh, we are dancing, you know, the person cooperating with Fred Astaire had to be a great dancer too. And, and, and to read his, you know, to read his uh, moves and to go with them. And, and I think that's a big part of it too, is that, you know, w- with our wives, Bill, what you were talking about earlier, you know, it's major league, nonverbal the majority of 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 our understanding our spouses comes from nonverbal now there are important conversations i would never say that but (laughs) i I know what my wife is thinking half the time without her saying a word and uh imagine if we had that same sensitivity and alacrity imagine if we were ever right (laughs) (laughs) boy i got out of that one But anyway, and and I think it, Bill, you know, you said it with our, with our bondage to language, you know, we have to break that bondage to language. And I've said this a million times, but you know, the Lord, when he uses language is slumming, you know, and um, he, he really to know the nonverbal impulses and the nonverbal promptings and the nonverbal whisperings and urgings uh, and gleanings, you know, from his nature. Uh, we really need to minimize our demand. It's like, we want it. Well, I want an itinerary today, Lord. I want you to have an itinerary for my full day today. And it ain't going to work. The minute you mention itinerary, the spirit's quenched out of the situation. Um, so, you know, we need open calendars and, and just to understand that it's every day's a dance. And I don't know what I may do today is the opposite of what I may do tomorrow. But if I'm listening to the spirit, he's going to take me to greener pastures every day, fresh pastures. And, uh, you know, that takes the pressure off. Mm-hmm. I think something else that has hindered our understanding of God's will, and again, I'm just coming from my churchy background, but we usually hear this topic from a pulpit. You know, I'm a minister. I get it. But we're talking to a group of people, whether it's 100 people, 50 people, or 3,000 people. So they're hearing one perspective of what the will of God is. God has a plan for you and it's to serve the church, you know, (laughs) that kind of thing. Um, But they're all hearing it, but what they're forgetting and not realizing is we're as we're completely individuals, unique onenesses with Christ. And so God is going to use all of us very differently, but the many churches want to corral and control how God's going to use everybody, which now messes up. And which is why we're having trouble understanding what the will of God is because it's been so skewed into a control thing. And so I think by discovering our oneness again, realizing it is about an intimate dance and you only dance with one person, like with that kind of a dance that we're talking about here, it's a, it's a one-on-one where you begin to catch the rhythm of it. But if you're catching the rhythm of 20 people in the room, you can't dance. So this is a focus of your oneness, you know, and that's, and that God, the master dancer control or wrong word, but organize how he's going to bring together all the dances into what he's got planned. Good. Yeah. Harmonize. Yeah. Well, that's 
some dancers, you know, that jazz dance, there's tap dancers, there's ballroom dancing, different styles. I can't so, dance, man. Are either of you dancers? No. <laughs> See, okay, so I, I am. You're <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. When my wife and I met, I used to teach swing dance lesson. Uh, wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. When my wife uh -huh. and I met, in fact, the night we got engaged, I had just come from a, a teaching a swing dance lesson. And I'll tell you, I mean, ironically, my wife and I have never had, we, we've never like dance danced. Um, I, that was almost like a previous life prior to meeting her that I had done uh, to a large degree. I used to go to a very uh, kind of swanky club that had jazz music. And there was this girl, I can't even remember. I couldn't tell you her name now. And again, prior to meeting my wife. Um, but we would dance every single Sunday night to live jazz music. And it's funny, your first couple of times you're doing it, it's it's definitely a little herky-jerky. and But you get to the point after you've danced together for months on end, every single Sunday for a few hours, where the subtlest, I mean, the subtlest of nuance in how you hold your hand, she knows to go left or right or under, or she knows the next three or four moves that you're going to go beyond and again, like you're saying, there's no verbalness happening. It's the rhythm of the music. It's knowing the song and it's, it's knowing your partner. And it is such a beautiful metaphor because there is an element of planfulness, but there's an element that is also totally, um, uh, you know, spontaneous. And so it's, it's, it's both. And, and that's a paradox, but I love that, that image. And it's, it's one that I've always carried very closely in my heart about how you know, spirit. And in spirit's case, I'm a dude in my own identity, at least right now. And that's a girl. So I can relate to that, except she's leading me and I don't know, whatever. But, but the responses that I have to her smallest nuance of indication, like you said, might be one thing today. And it could be the exact opposite thing to me. And I think that's a mistake that we're seeing so often, not only in the quote unquote institutional church, but I even see it among fellow uh kind of people going through this you know, recalibration of their faith where they're saying, this is loving and this is not, this is good, this is evil. And Holy Spirit just doesn't work with that itinerary. Like Richard said, it's, it's what, what might be today. And Jesus showed us that so beautifully. Uh, in one case, he maybe the exact opposite way he responds tomorrow in a, in a very similar situation, because he was uh, only doing what he saw the father do. And, and the father was loving and only loving in those situations. Yeah, That's I guess amazing. the challenge, the challenge in some of that is that there are some things the father will never do, Yes. but there's tons and tons of things that he will do differently. And, uh, you know, to, to, to be able to discern between those two, because there are some things, you know, people pitch out there that that's just, it's just not of God. Now, I, I, you know, it just isn't, but, you know, it's easy for that to pull me out of being in God, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's, there's, you know, uh, there's always different challenges to it. And, um, you know, I, I think, um, one thing I heard one time and studied was a difference between Kairos and Kronos time, you know, the Kronos, they're both Greek words for time, but, but that, uh, Kronos is this linear aspect. You know, what is my itinerary today? What is your will today? I do this Lord, then this, then this, then this, we want that. Whereas, whereas the way God tells time is by Kairos and Kairos means relational events, you know, so, so God's time, he doesn't keep time by the Kronos wristwatch. 
he keeps it by relational events that he has with us or by dance moves, you know, to use your thing. You know, he's wanting to, us to interact with him in the moment and, and uh, you know, that spontaneous organic dance, you know, to join the dance. And uh, it may take us in different places in different days, as you said, but he's not looking you know, we wonder what's going to bring the end times or whatever, you know, the day of the Lord. He, he's not looking at his watch. He's looking at the relational events he's had with his bride because it's the relational events that mature us, that mature us individually, but also mature us corporately, yeah. you know, and uh, that's how he tells time. If we learn to tell time or to operate in time the way he did, what it did, we wouldn't even be looking at our wristwatches. You know, I always think of the, uh, uh, you know, the pastors who look at their wristwatch on the, uh, you know, on the podium. <laughs> You know, and that's a, uh, that's kind of a, I understand the need, you know, but still. I do once in a while. I have to. It's like, we got to end, man. <laughs> hey, we got to go to lunch at some point. Mike. Sunday school teachers are going to kill me if I don't end soon. <laughs> hey, listen, I had a guest speaker. I won't tell you who it is. <laughs> who, who went uh, uh, about 40 minutes beyond the normal time. 40. Got permission and went for another half hour. Like, that was intense and it was great stuff, but I was so nervous for all of our workers and stuff. It was just funny. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, you know, time is a harsh uh, master, you know, and, and of course, you know, uh, um, you know, we need to be sensitive to people's attention spans, but, not, but then on the other hand, if we're really speaking by the spirit, I, I listened to Paul Young once and uh, it was uh, like, Oh, wow. Uh, I just lost all sense of time. Mm -hmm. Uh and uh, he was just, he, he wasn't looking at notes. He was just speaking discursively, you know, and it was, it was amazing. And I, I really, you know, in these moments when we do lose time, the last time I talked to you, Mike, I had no concept of time, yeah. you know, uh, and I noticed that, you know, afterwards I said, boy, that, that flashed in a, you know, in a second. It was really quick. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, how, I, well, go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, I think that's that time is just, I think it, you know, it's probably a wrong tangent, but time is so over, I think, um, over, I won't say overvalued. That's the wrong word because overrated? of that value, but it's, what'd you say? Overrated? Yeah, I thought, or, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm going the wrong way. Maybe it's more just misunderstood. Hmm. Um, you know, time is a relationship. It's a measure of relationship. That's what time is. Andre Rabe, if you haven't seen some of his most recent stuff on time, it's just so uh, deep and beautiful that that uh, time itself, if you look at how we measure time, it's, it's always a relationship. It's a relationship from where the second hand was here to the, where the second hand was there to the second. And so when we think about time as a measure of relationship, just like you were saying the, you know, um, that then we start to see it differently. And that's why we understand it with relativity now, because it, relationships can be in relatively different places, depending on the variables at hand. So um, space, ironically enough, physical space is also a, a, a measure of relationship. And so when we start to understand that space and time become one thing ultimately, and God is in and of all things, um, now we get to start to see how these things start to like, you know, wire together in our, in our union, like we were talking about Mike of, um, of, of desire. Does that, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So you mentioned Andre Robbie. Um, I think he has a unique perspective on the will of God and, 
is God in control of things? I, I don't know where he stands fully. Uh, if you know something more about that, I'd love to hear it. But there's, there's one, some, some people have a sense that God is not controlling anything, which I have a hard time with because I'd like to hear it explained better. But then yeah. there's another one. My, uh, it's okay. It's a biblical story. And how do you understand the text? Is it an allegory? Was it real? What? You know, the story of Joseph, especially. That's my favorite all-time story of how this guy, you know, God brought him through stuff and he could have been screaming, what the heck is this? I did not, what, what, what do you want from me, God? You know, is this your will? You know, um, on and on. And he ends up, you know, saving Egypt and Israel, blah, 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 for such a time as this. And all these different parts of his story. I think God was included in every part of that story. I'm not sure he was controlling or maybe he just had foreknowledge. And just because of, he had foreknowledge doesn't mean he's controlling. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? I, like that, that's a big I, one. I have a thought on that. I got two metaphors for you. Okay. Uh, it, may, it may bless you. It may not, but it, it's blessed me and it's helped me. One is chess and the other is, um, um, uh, what was the other one? Memory. <laughs> no, no, just, uh, one was uh, chess and the other is Aikido. When I was studying martial arts several years ago, uh, I, I, I kind of, the spirit led me into Aikido because it has so many good applications. Aikido is a martial arts where you react to the other person and you use their own momentum. And the rule of Aikido is as, as you divert your attacker, you, you divert them to the, to the least painful place for them. Like, you know, if, if you use their own momentum to toss them up, you know, to, to, to go past you, you look for the softest piece of ground to lay them on. All right. It, I, it's the only martial art I've ever seen that had more concern for the attacker than for wow. the defender. That's and cool. I, so if we use the concept of a keto, but now let's move it to a chessboard. All right. Now, you know how it says the Lord uh, rested on the, on the seventh day and, and Hebrew says he's rested still. He's, he, you know, I, I think that's a, that's an allegory for uh, this concept of non-chronos time, non-linear time to where just try to imagine this. If, if God exist in eternity now we exist in time we're stuck in time you know kurt vonnegut said that we're stuck we want to become unstuck in time but we, we are stuck in linear time in this current state that we're in but god is both here but he's also outside of time and space so if we could imagine that and, and if he's outside of time and space he's in eternity then he's already he is rested from his works he's already dealt with this whole thing but we're in linear time and we haven't seen it completely unfold yet, even though we've, we've been given extra dimensional promises that it is already taken care of. So if we could imagine a chessboard where God, we don't make one linear move and then God makes a move. We've all already made all our moves and God's already responded to each of our moves in an Aikido style. What at the same time, it's the game is over. The game is over. It's just waiting to be played out. We may not see how the checkmate comes, but it's you know how you know how people are playing chess. Well, they'll they'll, they'll flip the king over thirty moves ahead of when it actually happens because they know they've lost the game. I don't you play know? with people that good. Yeah. Well, I don't. But uh, I saw it on TV. <laughs> but, well, but have it, you have you have you seen the Queen's Gambit? Yeah. Well, yeah. That. Well, yeah. I've seen parts Love of it. But that. They, yeah. Yeah. So, so that, but if we could just, and it's just a metaphor, but if we could just move it up and say, God's already pre-responded in an Aikido like way, he's not forced us. He's not coerced us, you know, but maybe just gently put us somewhere. And even when we were defying him and attacking him and, and going against what he's wanting, he still puts us in the softest place that he can. 
and, 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 but he's already moved simultaneously. Everything's happened from his perspective. From his perspective, everything's happened at one time. He's already dealt with this. He's resting. He's yeah. waiting for us to just carry out the moves and to finally win. And then hopefully, you know, we'll see when they wait a minute. The game is over. I mean, I know we say that now, but we act like a lot of times like we don't really believe it, you know. But, uh, but just that, that understanding of God outside of time and space, I think, helps us understand why we're seated with him now. There's mm-hmm. a part of us now. You know, if a guy comes to the Lord 20 years from now, he's already with him now because he's seated with him now in heavenly places. You know, how can that be? Because we, a part of us has transcended time and space and a part of us is in eternity, mm-hmm. you know? So I love that. I mean, I, I think that's a great way to look at it and to say the game is over. We're still playing out the moves, but it's over, you yeah. know? And, and uh, the quicker we realize it, the quicker we can maybe, you know, tip our king, uh, t- tip our king over and just start having a ball. <laughs> Well, that's really what it comes down to is the, is the party, right? Uh, the, the, um, uh, Robert Capon says that, right? It's all about the party. And, 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 and we, we, we stop playing the game and just move on to the party. Um, I, I think one of the ways I you know, just – I'm totally organic here in my, own, in my own head. I think part of our apprehension to the will of God and this kind of mechanism of – well, that's a good word – mechanism of control, right, is, is that's how we – understand control is we see it as a as a kind of a, a use of force right is 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 i'm going to do something against your will um that you don't like and because i'm maybe utilizing something against your will therefore you're controlling me and i don't want to be controlled and god's never controlling and and i don't again i i think i'm still working through this just like you are mike i think there's instances Akita is a great metaphor where he lets us land softly. Oh man. I like that. Definitely put in a potential energy into a situation and God has taken that potential energy and he has allowed a lot of it to come back on us in in a, in a more uh, kinetic state. Right. Um, And is that control? Yeah. In in a way it is, but it's not a control that is, is being used to force us into into a, a a way or place or any of these kind of things. It's 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 a well, like leading the dance. Is the person leading the dance controlling it or guiding it? Yeah, right. and it's and it's both. There's there's and I think this is where paradox. And again, not to get too deep into that, it has some truth in this situation. And and I think that's where we again as Westerners we become very disillusioned to thinking that paradox is a place that we can't have rest inside of. And at some point we just have to like tip our King over and realize that, that, that it's okay to still know that the game's being played. (laughs) Both are in play simultaneously. Both are actually, free from conflict even though in our limited perspective it, it's impossible to reconcile that it just is it's a, it's we do not have the capacity to understand how that can be but that's where the good news of Jesus comes into play if Jesus is the exact representation of the father and how he shows us the heart of God the desires of God the will of God if we have faith in that to be true well, we can trust that that paradox is a safe place to be in with no resulting 
uh, harm or, or negativity or anything when, when the dust final, fun, finally settles and we do transition into that place from linear, uh, you know, finite being into a, what I believe is a progression of growth even beyond this life. Um, I, you know, I'm not one to say we go to heaven and, and then that's it. There's, this is the beginning of something so, that's so much deeper and beautiful that we really can't even begin to wrap our arms around. Um, but, but it's also, we're, we're co-creating something that we're going to participate with in the fullness of time, mm-hmm. right? Not in the, not in the absence of time, but in the fullness of time. And so, you know, to, to kind of both, and that's, that's really hard, both. So is God in control? Not in the way we expect, but yes, are we in, are we in control? Are we being forced into a place that we don't want to go? No, but we are being guided to a, a place of beingness and collective beingness and individual beingness that is, that is going to be a very, you know, we're going to the union of heaven and earth, whether we like it or not, that is coming. And we are on that ride, whether we like it or not. And, and the truth is buried deep within our being. That's all we ever want. We're not made to be wired where that's going to be a negative to us. That's only a positive of us, but sometimes in our brokenness and our, in our limitedness, we can't understand that yet. Wonder then it's the definition that has been the problem. We're so westernized in our definitions of what the will of God is, so to speak, because we need a more Hebrew, a more Aramaic understanding of what will is or who Abba is, you know. And once we move out of the systems of control that we're trying to rebuff, uh, I think what I'm hearing today is we need to revisit the the definition. So if you're going to ask the question, what do you mean by that? And it's likely a much more beautiful answer than you've ever been told. Yeah, I, I, I agree. You know, I always like to use the terms, the Lord woos us and he wins us. He doesn't, he doesn't manipulate us and he doesn't coerce us. You know, if we remove coercion out of the divine nature, I, I, I'm telling you, that's one of the primary things about for anyone growing in the goodness of God is to remove the term coercion out of his nature. He will never coerce us. It's not in his nature. Just like Timothy says, it's impossible for him to lie. It's impossible for him to coerce. But having said that, he is so much more skillful. And again, this gets back to the skillfulness and the abilities of God that he woos and wins us. He woos and wins us, but he does it using freedom. And, and that's, that's, that's why he is so skillful at it. He, he, we're playing this chess game. Everyone's going to see ultimately there's, I, I can't win this. I don't want to win it. I want to surrender, you know, and, and that, that's the beauty of it. So I, I think that it's completely, it's wondrous, you know, it's wondrous and we can stretch out the game. You know, we have some, uh, our, our, our free will can maybe, uh, or our misuse of our freedom can maybe lengthen the game out, but the quicker we realize it, the, the game is shortened. And I wonder when the corporate bride truly kicks the king over and surrenders corporately, all right. I know we, we have aspects where we do an envision, but if we were to do it corporately, what would be the critical mass effect in this world? You know, instead of uh, instead of the bride trying to engage in works and willfulness, you know, trying, you know, trying to do its own will rather than his will. But if we truly united in submission, mm-hmm. um, what what would the critical mass be in the world? I mean, what would we see? I mean, I, I, I think we'd see Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> 
True. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we only got a couple minutes left because uh, I don't want this to be too, too long. But I, I, you guys made me think of the Lord's Prayer. Somebody, I think with Bill, you mentioned it. And there's a, uh, I, I want to read to you from a uh, variation uh, of the first century Aramaic, uh, which is kind of the language Jesus spoke. And I came across this version of it that I thought was beautiful. Because if we're going to use the word will, let's, let's look at it from an Aramaic perspective. So I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it goes like this. O thou from whom the breath of, of life comes, our Father who art in heaven, who fills all realms of sound, light, and vibration. Mm. May your light be experienced in my utmost holiest. Your heavenly domain approaches. Let your will come true in the universe, as in all that vibrates, just as on earth that is material and dense. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. Isn't that cool? Hallelujah. It goes on, but man, it's, it's rich. Like that it changes the meaning of it. You know, it's not yeah. English. I, I, I really want a copy of that. Sure. I think you sent that to me a while back. I'll have to go back, back. to both of us. But yeah, we, we had, we, we went back and forth on that a while ago. And I, I that, that touches on so many of the things we've just all talked about, which is really cool. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I'll send you that and I'll send you the, uh, uh, another, uh, uh, explanation of um, forgiveness um, from the Aramaic, um, a better translation. In fact, you know, what? I'm going to cheat. I'm going to read it to you because this, this, if somebody needs to hear that, because the Lord's prayer is sometimes used as a clobber verse that uh, if you don't forgive, God's going to get you, you know? Yeah. And, and uh, this, this next reading is going to blow your mind. Um, it won't take long. Oh, come on, come on, come on. I just had it. I was searching, searching, and, but this is, this to me explains um, a better way of a th- instead of a threat because I can't see Jesus threatening us in a prayer or asking us to pray or pray a prayer that's threatening. So here's what he says: to forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. In Aramaic is washakugan kabingan, but whatever I can't read all that. It means detach the fetters of faults that bind us, karma like we let go the guilt of others, very different wording. Mm -hmm. And it says, and if you don't forgive others, your heavenly father will not forgive you can be better understood like this. And I love this. This is, this is where the change happens. And that's why this will of God topic, it's like this kind of a click change. If you don't unfetter the chains on others, I won't do it for you. Very different than holding back conditional forgiveness. This completely opens up a better meaning. It may not be so much about which covenant it was written in, but rather the passion and heart of the true son of God speaking from the deepest and purest form of truth known to mankind. Hmm. Amen. Well, I think that that just wraps a bow on it. When will is involved, when we're talking about desire, really when it comes down to it is the who. Yeah whose desire. And if we know the who is perfect in their unconditional love and desire for the restoration of all things, that's their only nature. We can trust that, that will. We can trust any hand of control that it puts on us. You know, when we don't trust it, when there's any shadow in that will, then that's where we're going to start falling apart with, with our, our understandings of forgiveness of anything. So it's all about the who. And for me, there's no better who than, than the person of Jesus Christ. So this idea of the will of God really is a person. It's Jesus and he is agape fulfilled in human form. Mm -hmm. So if it doesn't look like love, 
it's a wrong definition. Right. Amen. So, Amen. Well, gentlemen, let's wrap this up. Thank you so much for the time. And I look forward to another conversation. If we can sneak one more in before Christmas, fine. If not, we'll do it after Christmas. No biggie. There's a lot going on, even though we're not going out to do stuff. Yeah. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> but yeah. uh, thank you. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Always right. love you guys. Yep. Go have fun with your families. We'll catch you guys later. Okay. Love you guys. Bye-bye. Love you guys. Join me next time on Still Growing in Grace for more good news. Enjoy previous episodes by downloading our podcast at growingingrace.ca. You can also visit hopefellowshipycc.com to find our service times and location. If this show has been an encouragement to you, please consider making a donation today at growingingrace.ca and help us keep spreading this good news. Thank you again for tuning in to Still Growing in Grace.